He's our Lord. He's our Savior. He hears us when we call to him. And he's coming again to take his children home. And we're going to talk about that this morning. So take your Bibles and join me in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Your Bibles, your electronic devices. Uh, and if you don't have something with you, we'll have the passage up on the screen for you this morning. We're continuing our series entitled Upside Down. The church at Thessalonica, Paul and his companions were accused of turning the world upside down when actually, as we know, they were turning it right side up by having people come to know Jesus and trying to move toward that day when all things will be restored. So upside down, that was the impact they were having in their world. Follow along with me, beginning with verse 13 of chapter 4 of 1 Thessalonians. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. May God bless the reading of his word. We live in a day, we live in a culture, we live in a time in which people need to be encouraged, in which people need to have hope. The Kaiser Family Foundation just recently came out with some statistics about the mental health of people within the United States. These are from 2021, so these are very recent. This is after COVID has hit and has been around with us for a while. 56% of young adults aged 18 to 24 report symptoms of anxiety and or depression. 25% of the young people report substance abuse. Think about that, one in four. 26% of people between the ages of 18 and 24 are having suicidal thoughts. Once again, more than one in four. Now, as we look at the population as a whole in the United States, it says 49% of women with children report symptoms of anxiety and depression. I can't help believe 
that that probably relates to schools being closed down as well and parents being 24-7 with their kids and not only the schools being closed down but other things being closed down so there's no place to go, there's nothing to do. I have to fight getting depressed myself even talking about it here. (laughs) And I'm not stuck at home like my daughter is with four kids. You know, so this is what's going on. 42% of those that have been labeled essential workers report anxiety or depression. 25% of our overall population report either starting or increased substance abuse. 22%, more than one in five of our whole population is having suicidal thoughts. One quarter of adults 65 and older are reporting anxiety or depression, and 27% of older adults who live alone are reporting anxiety or depression. We need hope. We need encouragement. And the Apostle Paul, in this passage, tells us, with these words, encourage one another. This morning, we're going to talk about the rapture. Most Christians believe in the rapture. Not all Christians believe in the rapture, but most Christians believe in the rapture. I was reading one author this week, and he said this, the word rapture does not appear anywhere in the Bible. The concept is a creation by man. False statement. The word rapture is found in the Bible. It's in the passage that we have before us. Now, it didn't say rapture, but that concept of the word rapture is right there. Look down in verse 17. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up. That word, caught up, in the Latin translation of the Bible, the Vulgate, that Jerome did, he used the word where we get our word rapture. So the rapture, the meaning of the word means to be caught up, to snatch up, to seize, to carry off by force, to pluck, to pull out of. Well, that sure sounds like everything we talk about in the rapture to me. Right there, it is. It is in the Bible. This is not a man-made doctrine. This is a biblical doctrine. So the Apostle Paul, in this passage is talking about the rapture. And when we say the rapture, what we mean is this, Jesus is coming again. Can you say that with me this morning? Jesus is coming again. Now, the question we have is, okay, when? When is he coming? Everybody wants to know when Jesus is coming. Now, before the message is over, I'll tell you when he's going to come, okay? 
I'm going to hold you in suspense uh, right now in case you're thinking about nodding off to sleep. So I'll tell you before the message is over when he's going to come back. But there are different views that relate to when Jesus will come. And those who believe in the rapture and who believe that Jesus is coming back, they place it at different times in the future ahead of us. And I want you to know that as we talk about these different ideas as to when the rapture is going to occur, this is a family squabble. We can disagree on when Jesus is going to come back as it relates to a period coming known as the tribulation period. In Daniel chapter 9, Daniel writes about 70 weeks. 69 have been fulfilled. There's one yet to come. It is a week of years, and we refer to that as the tribulation period. Uh, There are various other terms that are used to refer to it. And people put the rapture at different places. And it's, we're not going to break fellowship with those who disagree with us. We're not going, well, I hold this view, and if you don't hold this view, then you're not saved, and you're not going. I personally, as a friend of mine said, he thought it would be fitting if God raptured us according to our beliefs. (laughs) Now let that sink in for a moment. that's, That's not going to occur. But the various views as it relates to the tribulation, first of all, there's a view that's called the partial rapture view. They believe that some people will be raptured before the tribulation takes place, but not everybody. Uh, The only ones that will be raptured before the tribulation will be those who are watching for the Lord's return. And you ask, well, what what all does that mean? Well, if you're living in right relationship with the Lord, He'll pull you out. But if you're not in right relationship with Him, you're going to have to wait till a little bit later in order to pull out. So just hope if the rapture comes, it didn't happen right after you sinned or you'd be left behind. Uh, What about the rest of the people who don't? They'll go at various different times throughout the tribulation, but they need to be watching for the Lord to return in order to go at those kinds. There are not many people that believe that anymore. There are a few, but not many. At one point, it was popular. Their emphasis was on, we need to be ready for Jesus to come back. And we all agree We need to be ready for the return of the Lord. Then there's the post-tribulational view, that at the end of the tribulation, Jesus will come back, the saints will be raptured up to meet him in the air, and we will come immediately back to the earth with him for the millennium. There's a third view that's called the pre-wrath view. They believe that the tribulation period is basically divided into different parts and that we have the wrath of man, we have the wrath of Satan, but that the wrath of God doesn't begin until about three-quarters of the way through the tribulation period. 
So it would, they would place it when the sixth seal was opened, that that is when the rapture will occur. There is the mid-tribulational rapture view that believes in the middle of those seven years is when the rapture occurs. And then there is the view that I believe to be the correct view, but we can disagree on this. I'll still love you, still minister to you, still care for you. We can serve together in the church and honor God. I believe in the pre-tribulational rapture of the church that Jesus is going to come back and get us before the tribulation period begins. Jesus is coming again. Can you say that with me again? Jesus is coming again. Now, this is our hope. Uh, Paul writes there, we do not want you to be uninformed brothers about those who sleep that you may not grieve as others who have no hope. We have hope because we know Jesus is coming back for us. And Paul says to us in verse 13 that we are to be informed. Look at what verse 13 says. But we do not want you to be uninformed. Be informed. As believers, he's writing to brothers. Brothers are those in this context of those that know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. They are other believers. Be informed. See, there's various things that the Apostle Paul has told us as believers that we should be informed about. In Romans chapter 11, verse 25, uh, Paul will tell us that we need to be informed about God's plan for Israel, that God is not through with Israel yet. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, Paul tells us that we are to be informed about spiritual gifts, that God has given us spiritual gifts to use in service to him. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1 in verse 8, Paul tells us that we are to be informed about suffering and trials that are come, that are going to come for believers. And then here he tells us that we are to be informed about the rapture, the second coming of Jesus. Now isn't it amazing that there are four different areas where Paul tells us we are to be informed in, or we are not to be ignorant in, and yet in all of these areas, believers are still uninformed as it relates. So don't be among those believers who are uninformed. Listen to what the Apostle Paul has to tell us. Be informed. This is a doctrine for those who are believers. Look at verse 14. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Jesus is coming again. Our hope is because of the gospel. The gospel. That is the gospel. See those words there? We believe that Jesus died and rose again. 
The Apostle Paul reaffirms this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that the gospel is that Messiah has come, that Christ has come, that he died, he was buried, and he rose again. This is the gospel we preach. This is the gospel that we believe. Now, we may be able to disagree on the timing of the rapture, but you cannot disagree with the gospel and be a child of God. The gospel that we believe, that we have our hope in, is the truth that Jesus died in our place on the cross. He paid for our sins and that all who put their faith and trust in him become his children, become part of the body of Christ, become members of the bride of Christ, become united together in him. Jesus is coming again. We need to be informed about that. We need to cling to the gospel. And then we also see in this passage the reuniting in verses 14 and 15. Notice what it says. Even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Now, the word sleep there is a word that's used throughout the Bible to refer to the death of believers. Remember when Lazarus had died in John chapter 11? Jesus was away. He told his disciples, Lazarus is asleep. And the disciples said, well, that's good that Lazarus is asleep. That means he's probably getting better from his sickness. And then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. So, there is a question that is coming up from the believers in Thessalonica. What about those who have died? What's going to happen to them? See, they were all expecting Jesus to come back during their lifetime. We're going to see that Paul expected that. Excuse me just a second. So Paul's expecting Jesus to come back. These believers were expecting Jesus to come back. So they are concerned when some of their family members, when some of their loved ones are dying and Jesus hasn't returned. Does that mean they will not be caught up to meet with Jesus? If you remember back in chapter 3 in verse 10, Paul said that one of the reasons he wanted to go to Thessalonica was to give them what they needed that was lacking in their faith. That was additional teaching. So Timothy made his way to Thessalonica. Timothy has come back, and he's brought questions to Paul about this is what they're asking about, Paul. So Paul is writing this letter partially to answer their questions. He goes on, and he says, For this we declare to you, by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. 
I want you to know there's going to be a reuniting. We are not going to go before those who have died. That when Jesus comes, he is going to bring those believers with him. See, those, yeah, yay, that's right. Yay, Jesus is coming back with all those who put their faith and trust in him. Right now, they are present with him. The Apostle Paul said, absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. The Apostle Paul said it would be far better for him to be in heaven than to be here on the earth. But for the benefit of the believers, God had left him here for a while to minister. But when Jesus comes back, all the members of the church are going to come back with him. And they are going to be reunited with their physical bodies. And they are going to be raised first. And then those of us who are alive and remain. And wouldn't it be glorious if we were a part of that group? Wouldn't it be glorious if we're a part of those living on the earth who are caught up and we don't have to go through death? Wouldn't that be wonderful? And we don't look at that as a way to escape this world. We look at it as a way to be united with our Savior and to be with Him. And so that reuniting will take place. The dead in Christ will rise up first. Someone will say to me, well, what about those bodies that have been burned, that have been cremated? What about those that have been lost at sea and have been eaten by fish? Uh, You know what? God created us. And our God has the power to raise those bodies up and to put those bodies back together again. I had someone share with me once that he wasn't a believer in Jesus and he was cremated and he said this, I am going to have my ashes spread all over the world so that God will never be able to put me back together again. Well, it's not at this time, but there's coming a time when the ungodly will be raised and raised to judgment And God is not going to have any problem whatsoever putting any bodies back together again. Jesus is coming again. He is our hope. We will be reunited with him. The next thing I want us to see is that Jesus is coming again. Say that again with me. Jesus is coming again. I want us to see the event as Paul lays this out. There is going to be a cry of command. Look at that in verse 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command. Now in some of the older versions it has the word, he'll come back with a shout. This is what it means, a cry of command. Now this cry... Uh, the way this word was used in the language when the Bible was written was it would be the cry that a, a ship's master would make to those that were rowing. You know, as he would encourage them to pull on 
the oars. It was a cry made by a military officer to his soldiers. It was a cry made by a hunter to his hounds. It was the cry that someone who was riding in a chariot would make to his horse. It is a command that is given. So Jesus is going to come back with a cry of command. You know, once before in the scriptures, we see Jesus with a cry of command. As he stood outside the tomb of Lazarus, remember what he said? Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came walking out of the tomb that he was in. Now Jesus is going to come back. I think I know what he's going to say. Now this is mere conjecture on my part, but I think I know what he's going to say. As you read in the book of Revelation, when you come to John chapter 4, verse 1, John has given us the, you know, the things that are from the churches, and then in chapter 4, he proceeds on. And in chapter 4, verse 1, John hears a voice that commands him and says, come up here. Jesus is going to give a command that his children hear, my sheep hear my voice, and they obey And I may be wrong on exactly what the command is, but there's going to be a command that's something like this that's going to cause all of the dead in Christ to come out of their graves and meet him in the air. And those who are believers in Christ who are still walking on the face of this earth, we are going to go flying up into the clouds and meet the Lord too. Jesus is coming back with a cry of command. He's also coming back with the voice of an archangel. Look at it again in verse 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel. Now, throughout the scriptures, there is only one angel who's ever identified as an archangel, and that is Michael. Now, there may be others, we don't know that for sure, but we do know that Michael was an archangel. Well, Jesus is going to come with a cry of a command, with the voice of an archangel, and then we're going to see it's also going to come with the sound of a trumpet. Look at that in verse 16, the sound of a trumpet. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and the sound of the trumpet of God. There'll be a trumpet that is heard. The Jewish people were very familiar with trumpets. Trumpets were used to declare war. They were used to announce special times or seasons. They were used to gather people for a journey. When God gave the law to Israel, it was preceded by a trumpet sound. In the Roman Empire, trumpets were used to announce the the arrival of a great person. Well, there is none greater than Jesus. And when he is in the air, that trump will sound. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 tells it it is the last trump 
I believe that's the last trump for the church. There are other trumpets that will follow, but the last trump for the church. In Revelation 8 through 10, there are seven trumpets that sound announcing judgments that come upon the earth. In Matthew chapter 24, there's a trumpet sound that announces the beginning of the millennium. There's a sound of a trumpet. And when this occurs, the dead in Christ rise. Look at it in verse 16, in the middle of the verse. And the dead in Christ will rise first. They are going before us. Now, someone always asks, why do they get to go first? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you, you have those uh, believers that were concerned about those who had died. And so Paul is just reassuring them, they will get to go first. Uh, some great theologian once said, well, they get to go first because they're six feet under. So they need a head start for us to join them. Well, I don't know how great a theologian he was, and I don't think that is the, the reason. But the reality is the dead in, the Christ, dead in Christ are called first. Then, and notice the language of Paul. The dead in the Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, we, Paul was expecting this to happen in his lifetime. That's why I believe in the imminent return of the Lord. It can happen at any moment, at any time. Jesus is coming back. The dead in Christ rise, then the living saints rise. Look at it again for what Paul says there. He says, then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord. And then the wonderful promise that follows. And we will always be with the Lord. Look at that. We will always be with the Lord. Right at the end. And so we will always be with him. We'll never be separated from him. We will be with him for all eternity. It's kind of the, the imagery uh, there. When you have a, a couple and they get married, right after they're married, if they're a normal couple, they're inseparable. Everywhere they go, they're together. They're by one another. They can't stand to be away from one another. Well, the church is the bride of Christ. And we are reunited with our bridegroom. And we will be with him forever. Paul says then, verse 18, Therefore, Encourage one another with these words. When our loved ones die, we do not sorrow as those who have no hope. We sorrow, but not as those who have no hope, because we know we will be reunited. What hope, what encouragement 
to know that those who put their faith and trust in Christ, we will be with the Lord forever. We will be with them forever. What wonderful hope that is. What encouragement it is for us to know Jesus hasn't forgotten us. He's coming back for us. He said in John chapter 14 that if I go away, I will come back for you. He's coming back for his children. Encourage one another with these words. In the ruins of ancient Rome, there are magnificent tombs there. Many of them are tombs of pagans. And there are inscriptions that are written on these tombs. One such inscription reads this way. I was not. I became. I am not. I care not. How wrong that person has it. And how wrong that is for those of us who are believers in Christ. I was not, I became. He's got that right. The scriptures tell us that God knit us together in our mother's womb. I was not, I became. But I am not, no, that's wrong. That's wrong. Every one of us. We are going to spend an eternity somewhere. We will spend that eternity either in the presence of our Lord or we will spend that eternity separated from God. There is salvation only through the gospel and only in Jesus. And for those of us who believe, for those of us who believe, we will be with our Lord forever. And what a glorious day it's going to be when he comes back for us. Oh, wouldn't it be great if he came today? Wouldn't it be great if we heard that command, if we heard that trumpet, and we were caught up together with the Lord? It could happen today. I believe Jesus could come back for us, even before this service. Is ended. Now I promised you I'd tell you when Jesus is going to come back. When the last person who makes up the bride of Christ puts his faith and trust in Jesus, Jesus will return. He's not going to come until his bride is complete. But once the bride is complete, He will call us up to meet him. Dear friend, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I beseech you, I beg you, I plead with you, put your faith and trust in the only one who can deliver you from the wrath that is going to come. The only one who can save you, put your trust in him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. 
we once again cry out to you. You are worthy. You are worthy of all of our praise. You are worthy of all glory and honor. And help us, Lord. Help us to encourage one another. Help us rejoice in the hope that you have given to us. We look forward to our blessed hope, our Savior coming back for us. Help us to live in light of this truth. In Jesus' name, amen.